Greetings, friends and gentlemen, listeners, and welcome to episode 33 of the Spicer Speaking Podcast. Coming to you from sun-kissed Palm Desert, California, in the bosom of the outdoor and golf bounty of the Coachella Valley, I'm your host, Judd Spicer, four-time award-winning writer, associate member of the Golf Writers Association of America, former ESPN Radio co-host, 11.6 handicap, but trending. Appreciate you joining this week. No show last week, and to get to the why in a moment. But let me first tell you, enthused to get back before the microphone with a terrific guest. Had her on before, though. It's been about a year. Last time we had her on, she's the Emmy Award winning host and Dodgers reporter for LA Sports Net. Has a couple armfuls of Emmys to show for it. Now, host and reporter for the MLB Network. Going to talk about baseball's home stretch here, race to the finish line, with Alana Rizzo. Great pleasure to have Alana back on the program. Of course, none of this would be possible without a trio of super sponsors. That list starts every show with Perform Better at performbetter.com. Pardon me. All your gym, fitness, workout, seminar needs, need a barbell, need a dumbbell, need to outfit an entire gym, just need to outfit your own little home gym. You can find everything you need at performbetter.com. Desert Willow Golf Resort, tee times made for the Firecliff and Mountain View courses, respectively online at desertwillow.com. couple notes there. Told you, but I don't know. Over the course of the last six weeks, I think it is, my time spent and time well spent with Paul Busey, Director of Instruction at the on-site Palm Desert Golf Academy. Got a couple more visits with Paul. Swing is coming into shape. The inverse loop, taking it out, bringing it back to the inside. Results are starting to show. It's taking some practice, doing a little homework. Paul's taking me out for a nine-hole playing lesson. Not sure which of the two courses, but that should be a nice graduation of the tutelage in our swing study. And head over to Desert Willow this week. If you want to head over to Desert Willow, do so in style. With the Platinum Club card available for purchase as of last week. Don't forget, in recent years, this is sold out and has done so pretty quickly. Still available. $100 savings when purchased before October 1st. Just to remind you, want to ingrain some of the Platinum Club Card benefits, discounted green fees for cardholders, and up to three guests. Look pretty cool to your buddies and playing partners and competitors. Platinum Twilight, one hour earlier than the non-cardholder. You can secure tea times. I love this facet. Secure those tea times up to 21 days in advance. All manner of discounts also included from the driving range to apparel, discounts on golf lessons, restaurant dining at the terrace. Again, save 100 bucks on that Platinum Cub card when you dial it in before October 1st. Internationally renowned golf photography coming by way of the Hennebreeze 
the sibling tandem of John and Janine Hennebry. You can find them online at the Hennebrys, H-E-N-E-B-R-Y-S dot com. I was actually looking at the site this week. I miss Johnny. Johnny escapes the desert sizzle for the summer, goes play, goes to play Grandpa up in uh, Washington State. He'll probably be coming back soon, he and the, uh, the lovely Linda. And I look forward to having him back. Johnny and I played a lot of golf in the uh, spring before he took off, looking to renew that on-course rivalry. And i got to tell you what, had a lot of assignments of late, which typically, if not oftentimes, involves looking at a lot of golf course websites. And a lot of the photography on said websites is dated, it's amateurish, it's a little crummy. Not to, not to, not to be cruel, but that's, that's the truth. If you're a golf course owner, operator, looking up the ante on your golf course photography, maybe you haven't had fresh images taken for a while, hire the Hennebrys. Check them out. H-E-N-E-B-R-Y-S dot com. Again, no show last week, so i got to catch up a little bit with a host of quick hitters for you dudes. Wasn't at the mic or at the desk last week as I made a couple stops. Used to do this a lot in the uh, pre-COVID timeline. Run around Southern California, knock out some stories. That's what I was doing last week. A revisit to Rancho Palos Verdes. Been seven years, by my count, and by counting my archives, since I last visited Terranea Resort, one of the coolest short courses. It's a nine-hole par three set on the Pacific overlooking the cliffs. One of the coolest short courses you're ever going to play. Design compliments of Todd Eckenrod put together an article on Terrania. Should be out next month for the boys at Golf Course Industry Magazine. Not just talking about the unique design, but also the impressive sustainability efforts that they put together at Terrania Resort. And they've been doing that since they opened the property about a dozen years ago. After a visit, a couple rounds, a meal with my boy, the dog, who played really well at Terrania, by the way. We looped around that nine-holer twice. I think he was four over. Shot par on the second nine. I think I was seven over across the 18 holes, for what that's worth. Swung down to San Clemente to visit with Ryan Engel and Adam Hawk, formerly executive producer of the Jim Rome Show, but no longer. He's now helping Ryan run Nation Golf Company. And what a pleasure to visit with those gents, talk about their budding apparel line of hats and lids. It's not its not just the threads, friends. There's a great story behind the inception and the growth of Nation Golf. That article can be found in the fall issue of the SCGA's four magazine. A couple months out, just sent it in today to my boy Jonathan Coe, as a matter of fact. feel good how that article turned out. Again, there's a story to tell behind the shirts and hats of Nation Golf. Wrapped up Q School in the desert last week. Stage one, playing across a trio of courses. A pair of them at Mission Hills Country Club, the Pete Dye course, meh. And the excellent Dinah Shore Tournament course. Making seven birdies on the Dinah on final round Sunday it was Gina Kim of Duke University. 15 under total. She earns medalist honors. Also played at Marriott Shadow Ridge, by the way. 
95 players total making it to stage two. Three over was the cut line. And I tell you what, friends, an awesome time to go play those courses or any courses, by the way, that just held a tournament of that magnitude. It's right after. Get a sense of the conditions, green speeds, rough cuts that some of these competitors play in. Uh, return to prep football. may have intimated this before. Uncle Juddy kind of down in uh, one cleat this year. Stepping back a little bit. I think it's been 11 years he had the pleasure of covering prep football and other sports for our pals at the Desert Sun. This year, kind of an on-call duty. I think it's been a great run covering prep high school football. We've talked about that with Shad Powers of the Desert Sun, with our guy Blake Arthur. But football's it's tough. It's a slog. It's a lot of hours. And I guess maybe I just hit the wall, waking up a little groggy on Saturday morning when there's typically some work to do. Still want to do it. Still engaged by it. Still like getting out there in the community and on the gridiron. Going to do probably four or five games this year. That is going to start with this Friday night. Just got the call being head, uh, heading out to La Quinta. Playing, where are they playing? They're hosting Carter. Anybody? Anybody know? I'm not sure where Carter is yet. Haven't dug in to the research. But look forward to getting back out there from time to time this football season for the Desert Sun. My Friday Night Lights experience starts with Week 2. I just want to touch on a quick viewing note. Malice in the Palace documentary, if you have Netflix, I'm not going to go through the, uh, the whole show, but there's certainly some stuff in there that you've never seen or ever heard before about that brawl in Detroit almost 20 years ago now. If you got an hour, maybe it's an hour and 10 minutes or so, definitely some recommended viewing. Want to plant that viewing seed as we segue into this week's opening image. Of course, the opening image, per usual, brought to you by Hennebury Photography. Check out the vast domestic and international portfolio from John and Janine Hennebury online at the Hennebrys, H-E-N-E-B-R-Y-S dot com. And you know, dude, sporting social media, it giveth, it also taketh away. In the case of HBO's Hard Knocks, methinks the social roots have taken the series toward the latter. Now in its 16th season, the football show, Episode 3, aired this week. A long popular program, which is really something of a seminal sporting offspring of MTV's The Real World, meeting the iconic slow-mo muscle ripples of NFL films. Hard Knocks seems like it should now be nearing a final chapter, after what should be considered a pretty sterling run. Maybe that's a soft slight to the fact that the show is story-subjecting the kind of gross and inept Dallas Cowboys for the third time in 16 seasons of the show. Maybe it's an additional critique that the considered gravel of narrator Liev Shriver has narrated himself and the viewing public to our limits of macadam narration. And don't forget, by the way, that Paul Rudd narrated the 07 season of Hard Knocks. Ultimately, moreover, the show's shelf life has become less revealing and thereby less engaging with the enhance of tweets and grams and personal online videos and the grand fact that post-by-post pro athletes are continually letting us know 
that they don't need traditional media, or even in the case of Hard Knocks, non-traditional media. They just don't need it quite as much anymore. It's still a somewhat engaging watch for the NFL diehard and the fantasy owners and the gambling junkies. But Hard Knocks once gave so much of has since and now been usurped by what the leagues, the league rather, and the players are game for giving themselves. That's access. In its heyday, Hard Knocks took us behind the curtain to provide nuance and oftentimes hilarious nuggets of a pro sporting life behind the scenes. It was dressed down humanity of stars and subs alike and was generally a fascinating look at coaches, owners, trainers, wives, girlfriends, and players that we couldn't get anywhere else. Now, we get that everywhere else. And we get it every day. Behind the curtain across all pro sports has, at this stage, perhaps devolved from the tenet of access to the dirge of excess. Formulaic in namely following storylines of less heralded underdog players, Hard Knocks, due to a little fault of its own, it's been overtaken by the very entity and personalities it aims to promote. It's been a good run. But let the program hang up its celebrated spikes before the last knock limps to a feeble rap upon our sporting doors. All right, friends, as prefaced, it's a one-guest town on this episode of the Spicer Speaking Podcast, so it's a good thing that we got a great one rejoining us for the first time in almost a year. And what was one of the uh, seminal initial episodes of the Spicer Speaking Podcast? She was then of LA Sportsnet, for which she's got a couple mantlefuls of Emmys to show for her time there. Now on to... Or perhaps I should say back to. We need to clarify that because I believe Alana Rizzo used to work for the MLB Network as a host and reporter. She has been back there as of this season. That introduction offered. Alana, welcome back to the program. Appreciate your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good to be back with you, Jeff. Thanks for having me again. The job switch, is that accurate? Was it back to the MLB Network? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is accurate. I had my first stint with MLB Network um, back in 2012 and 2013. I was there for just two years covering all 30 clubs. And then the Dodgers launched their new network, Sportsnet LA. And I uh, was asked to come out and, and cover the Dodgers. And I did that for seven seasons. And then I made the very difficult decision back in January of 2021 to leave just to uh, be able to spend more time with my family um, on the East Coast because we were going back and forth and it was just logistically very difficult. So I figured once the Dodgers won it all, uh, you know, no time like the present to, to make a move. And MLB Network was gracious enough to have me back. And I'm a contributor on Chris Russo's show called High Heat. Um, for everybody knows who Christopher Mad Dog Russo is. So He's been kind enough to welcome me with open arms on his show. And, you know, we do, I do interviews with players and basically what I was doing just in a little bit of a different format now. Um, Has it been a good switch for you? Have you enjoyed moving away from focusing on one team to focusing on all the teams? You know, I think there's good and bad in both. I mean, there's something really special about being a part of a team on a daily basis and being in that proverbial baseball grind where you show up, you know, at Camelback Ranch in Glendale, Arizona on February 15th, and you're with the team every single day um, until 
hopefully they win the world series, which was the case last year for the Dodgers. So I, I miss that part of it and being, you know, in the inner workings of everything and kind of woven into the fabric of their daily lives. But there is something also really cool about covering all of the teams. And, you know, I'm very fortunate that I get to still cover the game that I love so much, but I get to do it from my house. Um, you know, and that's, I guess that's one silver lining of COVID that there's so much of us doing as you are now and the whole inception of your podcast. Um, you know, we do a lot of stuff remotely now we do a lot of things from home. So I'm able to, you know, uh, wear yoga pants to work as long as I'm, you know, professional from the waist up. So uh, it's been great. And Chris Russo has been amazing to work with. Um, he is definitely a character. And if you've ever seen that show, um, you know what he's like, but you know, it's, he's a encyclopedia of baseball and his memory is ridiculous and his knowledge of the game and his uncanny ability to remember every single team schedule for the next month and a half. I'm like, how do you remember this? Like, <laughs> where they're going and who they're playing. And, um, but it's been fun. It's been different. Um, you know, it's a lot of work because I don't know the other 29 teams as intimately as I knew the Dodgers, obviously, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, then perhaps I'm tossing you a softball by segueing right into California baseball. I mean, in the home stretch of the MA Bowl season, we got about 30 or 30 so games to go. The big headline for me is California baseball, talking the Dodgers, talking the unreal season for the Giants, which the Dodgers are still chasing, talking about Shohei Otani, talking mm -hmm. about what the uh, A's are doing, talking about still what the Padres are doing. They're not out of it yet. Let's go back for all those things I just listed. I don't want to say your former team, but let's go with, with the Dodgers. I want to talk a little bit about Trevor Bauer. And the news of last week, we don't need to get all into the to the details because it is because it is an ongoing case. Trevor Bauer and his hearing last week, uh, obviously, he didn't say anything. Uh, the woman making some very earnest and disturbing accusations against Trevor Bauer. She was denied a restraining order. This is uh, the reigning Cy Young winner. This is a SoCal native. This is the highest played payer. Uh, paid player in baseball uh if you want to break down the contract which we don't but make 40 million dollars this year he could make 45 million dollars next year he hasn't pitched in over a month alana it does not seem to be bothering the dodgers in any way whatsoever they're the hottest team in baseball now that they've got max scherzer everything i just mentioned do you see him pitching for the dodgers again I don't, and I don't have any, you know, inside information about that, obviously, but I, you'd be very hard pressed um, that any of these uh, off the field uh, legalities uh, are going to go away anytime soon. Um, you know, I don't know the interworkings of what's happening with Trevor Bauer's case, but I do know that it would be very difficult um, to weave a guy back into a clubhouse after all of this is going on off the field, not just with the Dodgers, but any of the clubs. And um, you don't want any sort of distraction. And I don't care which way the case goes um, when it comes to coming back to work after a situation like that, it is a distraction. And the Dodgers, as, as good of a pitcher as he is, they don't need um, that type of issue to deal with. I'd be very surprised. Not only I'd be very surprised if Trevor Bauer, um, I don't think he'll ever pitch for the Dodgers again. I'd be very surprised if he ever pitched again. Wow. Um, uh, you know, again, I don't know what is happening with his case. I, I know as much information as you do with uh, that restraining order being denied. 
Um, and obviously, uh, you know, legal teams know far more about what's going on than that. But those are some pretty disturbing allegations um, and, you know, innocent until proven guilty, certainly. But uh, I don't know that the Dodgers want to deal with that. Now, you obviously have the issue of that massive contract that um, needs to be bought out or um, null and void based on what happened in the contract. I don't know, you know, how it's written up, um, if the Dodgers can get out from under that. Um, but I would be very, very, very surprised if, if we saw Trevor Bauer pitch again. Yeah, I think I would uh, tend to agree with you on that. Um, as a follow-up, name of the journalist escapes me, but there was a piece in the New York Times in recent days speaking about Trevor Bauer and the same story. And it just really drew out, obviously, all his talent, all his success, but that the signing of him in the first place was not, quote unquote, the Dodger way, something of which you're very familiar. Did you feel like that when the Dodgers first signed to uh, Trevor Bauer? Yeah, you know, I was a bit surprised because the Dodgers pride themselves, especially this ownership group, um, prides itself on character. And they do an incredibly good job of um interviewing guys and making sure that that each personality is going to fit within that system and, and what, you know, the majority of those guys are like. And it's not to say that they want a bunch of robots or they want 26 guys that are exactly the same, but they all want guys that are pulling on the same end of the rope. And when I did hear about this Trevor Bauer signing, um, just having and I don't know Trevor Bauer personally, um, I've never met him. But just hearing about some of the off the field things and some of his antics and just what we've seen publicly when he was a member of the Cleveland Indians pitching staff and those types of things. Um, I was a bit surprised, especially with the new ownership group taking over uh, in 2015, I believe, um, you know, and kind of cleaning house of some, you know, different types of personalities and characters that didn't necessarily fit within the system. So I was very surprised about the signing, but, you know, ultimately they want the best product on the field. And, you know, you can't argue, you may be able to argue about Trevor Bauer's character perhaps, but I don't think you can argue that Trevor Bauer's a really good pitcher. And, you know, it's not the the responsibility of a club to be the moral police, um, it is the responsibility of the club um, to put a good product on the field to win games. And, you know, I think Trevor Bauer definitely helped them win games. I don't know that anybody could have anticipated that this type of stuff was going to come out. But um, the Dodgers seem to be fine. Uh, they're two and a half games out of the division right now. Um, you know, what a an incredible game um, on Wednesday evening going into yeah. Thursday morning with the Padres, you know, 16 innings. That was insane. Um, I'm so glad I'm not a reporter anymore and I didn't have to be there. Um, but you know, it, it, you know, the Dodgers, I still, I still maintain the Dodgers will win the division, not to take anything away from what the giants are doing. They're incredibly talented this year. Um, but I just have seen enough to know that the Dodgers, you know, the season tends to be too long for other teams. And the Dodgers, um, you know, they have eight straight NL West titles behind them to, to understand how to navigate through these waters of the last, you know, four and a half weeks left. You kind of addressed my next question, talking about the club that the Dodgers are chasing. I think that we can editorialize and call them the surprise giants. I don't think anybody anticipated this. Uh, they hit a lot of home runs. Their pitching staff is very solid. They never lose at home. And Brandon Crawford, He's a dude, he's been around for like 10 years. He has never been a superstar by any stretch. Um, 
You mentioned the Padres. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to get some MVP votes, but in my mind, Brandon Crawford is unquestionably, unquestionably rather, the MVP of the National League. You're not of the belief that the Giants can sustain this for the home stretch, win this division, have success in the playoffs with, with what they've done in a surprising way this year? You know, I think anybody outside of the Giants to begin the season would have never given them any sort of uh, credit um, going forward. I had conversations with Farhan Zaidi, the former GM of the Dodgers, now um, the president of baseball operations for the Giants. And, um, you know, he even said that they were surprising themselves a little bit, although he's not surprised of the talent that they had. I just don't think that they thought it would be paying dividends in 2021. I think they were certainly in the offseason building for 2022 and beyond. I think you have a lot of really good young talent there, but you also have some elder statesmen in the Brandon Crawfords, as you mentioned, you know, Brandon um, Belt, Buster Posey, Evan Longoria. I mean, you have a really good mix of veteran guys that all have championship experience or at least postseason experience under their belt. You know, obviously Belt, Crawford and Posey have won three championships together, I believe. So at least two together, uh, potentially three. So 12 and, you know, 10, 12 and 14. So I think that, um, they're just doing it the right way. I have a lot of, a lot of respect for what Farhan Zaidi does. I have a lot of respect for what Gabe Kapler has done. I mean, Philadelphia couldn't wait to get rid of him, you know, everybody in Philadelphia and, and he's really done a nice job with these giants players and they respect him and they play for him and they win close games. They win ridiculous um, games that they shouldn't win. Um, and I just think I, you know, just having been with the Dodgers the last seven years, and it's obvious that I'm biased to a certain extent, but I do know what the, you know, the depth that the Dodgers have and, and the talent that the Dodgers have. And I don't want them to have, as a fan, I don't want the Dodgers to have to play that stupid wild card game. It just drives <laughs> me nuts to think you could have a game, a season in which, you know, you win 95 games and you have to play in a wild card game, but that may be the case, uh, you know, but it just proves my point that the Giants and the Padres, or excuse me, the Dodgers and the Padres are not a rivalry. And I know the Padres fans get so mad at me. And I know that you're down there in San Diego and, you know, these Padres fans get so mad at me and, but it's, it's true. You're after last night's loss, you're 15 games out of the division. I mean, they still have a chance to get in the wild card um, and they may, you know, it's going to probably come down to the Padres and the Reds for that, that second wild card spot, but it's not, a, it's not a rivalry and they may have, you know, the upper hand, I guess, in, in the season series. But if you're talking about, lifetime series until the Padres can win consistently. Um, it, it's not a rivalry. So um, I still maintain the Dodgers are going to win the division. You mentioned the Reds, Alana, uh, save for the Giants, the most surprising team in baseball for me would be the Reds. The most disappointing team in baseball would be my Minnesota Twins. Is there a team or another storyline outside of what we talked about that really intrigues you as we head into the final month? Yeah, you know, I'm, um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised about what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing just because they do it all of the time. Um, I was very surprised at what the Boston Red Sox were doing, uh, you know, maintaining that, that lead in the American League East. And then I said that the Yankees weren't even going to make the postseason and they've won 11 straight. So it just goes to show you how all of us experts pontificate <laughs> about what we think is going to happen. And I could not have been more wrong about the Yankees. I was like, there's no way they're making the postseason. They're definitely not winning the division, which now they still have a chance to do. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the Rays have always done things. It's almost like a four, a club that they kind of just keep rotating guys and they figure out a way to do it. And they do things that are, um, not necessarily the traditional way, but I, I do think Kevin cashed does a tremendous job with, 
you know, the payroll that they have and the guys that they have there. Um, so they, they're a little bit surprising. I think I'm, I'm pretty surprised that the White Sox have had such a commanding lead in the AL Central as long as they have. Um, you had mentioned your twins. I didn't think the twins were going to be that bad. I thought the Indians were going to be better, um, you know, but they no one's going to catch the White Sox and they haven't been able to all season long. I, I know that Terry Francona, um, Tito's dealing with some health stuff, so I, I wish him the best. But, um, you know, I, I didn't know. Honestly, I wasn't sure how the dynamic was going to be with Tony La Russa, very, very old school old school manager with a, you know, a young club of where a lot of your superstars are Latin players and, and come with a very, very different mentality. And again, I was wrong and it's worked. <laughs> and, um, you know, now the only thing that the White Sox are worried about is home field advantage for that first round of the uh, ALDS. So um, those are a couple of clubs that have surprised me. Um, I am surprised about the giants. I didn't think the giants were basically going to be in first place wire to wire. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that they've had sole possession of first place in the NL West the entire year, but they it's been pretty close, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, the giants have surprised me. Certainly. And you mentioned that, uh, 2014 world series win, uh, end of that, uh, terrific run by the giants since then they've won just one playoff game not a playoff series to add to the surprise of what they're doing. I think the 2014 year. year, didn't they have to win every single game? They on had the to road? Come. Yep. It was all on the road that they had to, they didn't have home field advantage throughout any of it. They had to travel. Uh, you know, they had to play on the road uh, for the first part of each series. Friends, you're tuning into the Spicer speaking podcast. Alana Rizzo host and reporter for the MLB network is my guest. Uh, in recent uh, weeks, I guess it was a couple weeks, weeks ago. Now, Alana, Major League Baseball, uh, I think it's safe to say, surpassed the degree of success it anticipated with the Field of Dreams game. I know it's been a few weeks since that happened. The uh, uh, the finish was more than it could ask for. The setting, all, all of it was uh, was the introduction, Kevin Costner, the jerseys, the corn. It was all magical, I think, more than Major League Baseball probably could have hoped. So successful, I think it was the highest rated regular season game in like 16 years or so the 2022 iteration plans already in place this Mm -hmm. is not a slight to major league baseball this would be any sporting league or any entity that has had success with something but it worries me like you just ride that thoroughbred until it bucks you or kind of peters down the home stretch does that concern you as great as the field of dreams game was does that concern you that this would could just potentially play out till it runs out of gas. No, but I, I mean, I do think that you, first of all, that game was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, you know, I, I did love when the, when the guys came out of the corn, I was like, Oh my God. And I don't care, like not to, you know, I don't care how corny it was. It was awesome. It was Chills. so, so cool um, to see those guys come out of the field, out of the cornfields like that. It was just incredible, you know, and to see Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron judge who are basically taller than the corn stalks come out was just you know, it's just really, really cool to see. And the way that it ended, you could not have scripted that better. They, maybe they should make a movie about it because it was so incredible <laughs> the way that, that that ended with Tim Anderson and, and you know, the home run and everything. So um, I think it's awesome that they're doing it again. You know, it's kind of like Players Weekend where it's like, okay, the first weekend was kind of cool. And then, you know, the next few weekends, you know, the, the silly jerseys and stuff. But I love that MLB is recognizing the need for personality and recognizing to get outside of the box and think differently. And I do like the fact it's the Reds and the Cubs. I like the fact they're keeping it Midwest this time, because obviously 
Um, well, the White Sox, of course, are Midwest, but the Yankees aren't. But that's a huge draw. The Yankees are always going to be a huge draw. So I like the fact it's Reds and Cubs next year. And, you know, I think I think you do it until people tell you with their wallets that they're not interested anymore. And it only seats like 8000 people, you know, so um, I, I think it's cool and I love it. And, you know, Christopher Russo, uh, the, the host of the show, High Heat that I'm on, he was like, I don't like the fact that there was Geico, you know, uh, advertising. I'm like. I'm like, Chris, first of all, you're you're not doing anything unless you're getting paid. You wouldn't be on the show if you weren't getting paid. Right. And, you know, we said there were advertisements back in, you know, 1989 or whatever the heck when we had the movie and it was based back in 1969 or whatever it was, there were still advertisements. They just, it just wasn't Geico, but, um, I, I don't know. I, I enjoy it. And I think it'll, I think they'll ride this wave as long as fans want to ride it with them. So my thoughts, I mean, for me, Field of Dreams, terrific movie. Watched it probably 62 times. Not only not the best baseball movie, but not the best Kevin Costner baseball movie. That to me would file under uh, Bull Durham. That could just be my Susan Sarandon crush which still goes on to this day she still looks incredible but what if alana baseball moved to other movies to use as a setting obviously bull durham is a minor league movie uh what about like the sandlot could we do something there maybe something off of i know it's not a movie but brockmeyer uh, which I uh, so enjoy. That's usually an x-rated movie if we do brockmeyer but um you know it's funny because I had gone a long time. Uh, I was well into my late thirties before I even saw the Sandlot and my fiance has two daughters and they had never seen it. So we watched it during COVID and they loved it. And it reminded me how much I loved it. And that, that would be fun to do a Sandlot. Um, well, it was Benny the Jet Rodriguez, right? right. With yes. uh, you know, the Dodger, uh, former or the uh, future Dodger announcer, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. You know, um, that would be fun. Brockmire, you got to be a little careful. Um, <laughs> what else? What other baseball movie would make sense to? I mean, uh, I would love to see a League of Their Own in some capacity. That would be kind of cool. There um, you go. That would that be a great one. Third um, in the skirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, and believe me, I've been in plenty of clubhouses to let you know there is crying in baseball after World Series losses. Okay, I can tell you that much for, for a fact. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, the Field of Dreams was so special. And, you know, it's so much more than baseball. It's about the relationship between father and son. And, you know, obviously, I think now there's so many more women involved in baseball that, that love it, too. So, you, you know, you can take any sort of relationship dynamic you want out of that movie. But it, it was it was pretty special. Um, one more for you today, Alana. Speaking of special uh, chat with you would not be complete without talking about the special work that you are doing for dogs in uh, SoCal and the, the country over. Um, as regular listeners know, as you and I have mentioned, I'm a dog lover. I've got three dogs here. We actually just <laughs> omitted cones from two of their heads oh, in no. a great moment of liberation. <laughs> Cone yeah. Of to a double double cone of shame situation oh. but with the Gidry's guardian foundation the excellent work that you've done and friends you can find that online at gidrysguardian.org uh for folks that are unaware maybe you could uh, uh let them uh, know what uh, you're doing and how they could potentially uh, donate or participate 
Well, thank you. I always appreciate, Judd, the totally. opportunity to talk about it. Um, Gidry's Guardian Foundation is my nonprofit organization that I started back in 2019. And really the sole purpose is to fundraise to get dogs off of the streets and out of high kill shelters. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of animals are euthanized on a daily basis in our shelter systems across the country just because of lack of space. 98% of these dogs are healthy animals and they just get killed for no reason other than lack of space and lack of uh, resources and lack of commitment by our, our public shelter systems that our tax dollars fund um, and they euthanize dogs as if it's you know throwing away a piece of trash and unfortunately that's what our animals in the United States um, are relegated to in our shelter systems particularly in large cities like Los Angeles where the majority of our work is being done on a daily basis because I lived there for seven years I love Los Angeles I love Southern California and that's where I was when we launched the foundation so we are a 100% donation based organization um, we help animals get the medical care that they need, adoption fees taken care of, fostering supplies for people that are willing to foster. Um, and we are basically a rescue for rescues. We help rescues that physically pull dogs out of shelters and get them off of the streets. And, and we help with the, the costs because it is very expensive. And, um, you know, I started it in California. It's named after my dog Gidry, who I adopted in 2009 from the Humane Society of Boulder Valley in Colorado. And it, he was named um, after Ron Gidry, the left-handed pitcher for the New York Yankees, who I always joke that my Gidry was a Southpaw. Um, he <laughs> passed away ironically and sadly two weeks after I launched the foundation, but we have saved hundreds and hundreds of dogs in his name. And in fact, the dog I have now, Bentley, um, I was fostering her during COVID because I wasn't traveling with the Dodgers because I wasn't, nobody was allowed to travel. So I had time and I was home. It was the first full summer I spent in California and I was fostering her and she lived in a cage for four years in Bakersfield and you know, had no teeth because she was eating anything she could find and it was a mess. And I started fostering her and then I adopted her and now she's living the life in Massachusetts with me. But um, it's very important to me. It's my passion project. You know, I basically work so I can save dogs. And um, so that's what Gidry's is all about. Uh, we are always in need of donations. You can do that at gidrysguardian.org. And you can certainly find us on uh, social media as well at Gidry's Guardian and all of the information is on there. Well, Alana, from dogs to the diamond, keep up the great work in both realms. So appreciative of your time. Hard to believe it's been a, a year. I look forward to watching your work uh, on the MLB Network as host and reporter as we hit the home stretch and then the playoffs of the MLB season. Thank you so much, Alana. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm always happy to be with you anytime. All right, folks. It's going to wrap us up for episode 33 of the Spicer Speaking Podcast. Really appreciate the time with Alana Rizzo. Check out her exceptional work. As we get the home stretch of the MLB season, move into the playoffs over the next month and change. Again, check that out, the MLB Network. The show would not be possible without a trio of super sponsors. Perform better, performbetter.com. If I didn't mention so previously, they got a great summer sale going on right now. But 40% off, like almost 90 different items. You can find those for your workout and fitness needs at performbetter.com. Desert Willow Golf Resort, heading over there this week. Looking forward to the extension of my tutelage. 
from the great Paul Busey. Going to play nine holes. Not sure which course, but looking forward to graduating from our range study into some time on the course. Inverse loop. Taking it out, bringing it back in to the slot. Don't forget, lessons or not, about that platinum club card at Desert Willow Golf Resort. It does sell out. $100 off price of the card until October 1. Check it out now at DesertWillow.com. Internationally renowned golf photography comes compliments of John and Janine Hennebry, your golf course owner, general manager, head pro, maybe a super. You're higher up at a golf course. You realize and recognize that your facility needs some updated world-class photography. You're going to find it at the Hennebrys, H-E-N-E-B-R-Y-S dot com. Again, dude, so appreciative of your time, your interest, your ears. Thank you so much for the support of this program. Be good to each other. You'll suffer me this. You know, we're reading so much about football about to start. Reference baseball a few times. Still got all these COVID cases. Still got a lot of people without their jabs. I know you don't tune into this program for this kind of public service announcement. You don't need to be a pro athlete. You don't need to don shoulder pads or cleats or spikes. You don't need to use pine tar to get paid multi-millions of dollars to be motivated to get a shot. People are still dying. People are still getting sick every day all over the country. Certainly in some very specific pockets. Be a good friend. Be a good son. Be a good employee. Be a good daughter. Be a good husband, wife, whatever. Just go get those shots. We'll all get past this damn thing together. Thank you for suffering me that. Thank you again for listening. And be well.